This is a film we've already mentioned on the show a couple times now. We discussed it in our top 10 movies of the year episode. It is The Worst Person in the World, a dark romantic comedy and drama. So dark dramedy, really. It's directed by Joachim Trier, who I think you're more familiar with his other films and uh, what's known as the Oslo trilogy. I haven't really seen. Yes, I watched films. uh, Yeah, Yeah. so that's... um reprise oslo august 31st and then now the third segment the worst person in the world yeah and the director here is best known for yeah august 31st i'm seeing Ladder than bombs and uh, thelma thelma yeah Thelma was a big one i yes. remember i haven't seen thelma i want to see thelma um but that ta- one, i think i saw that i think we talked about it on cinema Holics. maybe it was me and maverick but i guess so yeah i i wanted to see it i didn't get a chance unfortunately quite good. yeah i've heard it's really good, good. It's kind of so, like a like a North or not North Norwegian version of X Men, right? Kind right. Like, yeah. yeah. Kind of like the Phoenix thing. Um, yeah, I definitely recommend it. Now, the worst person in the world. We both had this in our top ten movies of 2021. So clearly, we recommend it. But we're going to go a little bit deeper now. We're going to actually talk about the film in a little bit more detail. Why we like it so much. And we should also mention, too, that this is Nor- the uh, the Norwegian entry, right, for Best International Feature Film. I think it's definitely on the short list. It's definitely one of the ones that people are expecting. Like, it would be a pretty shocking upset if it didn't get nominated. Yes. And especially because I think it's it's one of the front runners to win, most likely. Yeah, it's between... At this point, it seems to be between this film and Drive My Car for the Best International Feature Award. Uh, Flea is also giving it some competition, it sounds like, um, as well as a hero and I'm Your Man. But um, yeah, I mean, it seems I would be very surprised if this didn't get nominated for Best International Feature Film. Yeah, Flea Flea might face some difficulty just in just because it's a documentary. And so that might limit its reach a little bit. We'll have to wait and see. And I know that, yeah, Critics' Choice certainly like a lot of critics circles i should say have been really really praising this one getting it getting it uh a lot of praise and attention i think it won at a few and critics choice i think we we nominated it as well for best foreign language but uh, because i think critics choice we still say foreign language not international now that said this is a movie where it has it's it's long it's 121 minutes it's a little over two hours and it's Uh, broken up though into so is it 131? I, I read 121. It's only two. Oh, okay. I thought for some reason it was, it was like a little over two hours, but. Nope. Hmm. It, it can feel a little bit long at times, but not in a maybe. bad way, I think. Well, I mean, I also saw it at like a festival screening, so maybe I was seated a little bit longer, but. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I had it as like a DVD screening, so I didn't see the runtime as I was watching it. So it was one of those things where I wasn't really used to that. You know, it's kind of like at a theater. It's like, I just don't know when it's going to end. And I didn't look it up before. But it's set, it's split into 12 chapters, including, or in addition to a prologue and an epilogue. And really what the movie comes down to, it's about a young woman who she's played, she's played by uh, Renate Reinsiv. And I hope I'm saying that close to correctly. And her name is Julie and... She, when we start off with her, she's a medical student. She lives in Oslo, of course. And she kind of is just sort of like, I think going through an experience a lot of us go through in college where you're doing something and she's like a medical student, right? And she's sort of like, you know what? I kind of want to just do something else. I want to like totally switch to something else. So she decides to start pursuing psychology instead. And so she starts to like learn more things. She starts to branch out. And then over some time, she starts dating this comic book artist and they have like a bit of an age gap gap, but then the film sort of like charts a relationship with them. And then the movie keeps going as like 
their relationship progresses, you know, different relationships she has with other men. And it's really just going through her life. It's like, you know, like the adult boyhood, but, you know, filmed all at once. And it, it, it can sort of be deceiving. Like, as I'm describing it, people might be like, that sounds like a kind of a slow sort of like slice of life. Why would I even care about this character? I think what makes it, what really amps it up for me is that this character, this Julie character, I, I can't remember the last time I was so fully invested and empathetic and emotionally tied to a main character in, in this much of a fashion without really being back connected to all the other characters. I like the other characters, but I had to keep watching this. Like I, I watched it in a couple of sittings because of timing issues, but it was it was painful when I had to walk away from this movie because I was so much like it was like reading someone's memoir. It was like reading somebody's diary. I was like in her life and I was just fully connected to this person, fully empathizing with her and feeling her life. And she does things in this movie where some people might be like, that's not likable. And I never felt that way. I always felt like I love this person. You yeah, know? I mean, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, she the, the movie is really good about balancing the sort of like chaotic state of her mind, but in a way it doesn't make the movie itself feel too chaotic, which is a really tough balance. I think the movie pulls off really impressively well, which is something I really commend the movie for. Agreed here completely. Yeah. I think that part of the reason that it works is because it's the script. I think this script here, which is by Enda Walsh, it just... It, it's it, you can tell she, I should mention this, huh? So Enda Walsh is an Irish writer. Okay. And I think even though this film is Norwegian, it has a lot of the sensibilities. Um, oh, sorry. Not Enda Walsh. This, this was written by uh, Axel Vogt and uh, co-written okay. by Joachim Chur. I had uh, the house in my head. Oh, uh, okay. That's who wrote the house. Well, I was going <laughs> to say, um, I, I haven't made this comparison myself, but I've seen a lot of people say that this has the qualities of a like Sally Rooney novel. Th- that's what I was going to say. Right. I'm a huge fan of Sally Rooney. I've been reading her new book. I love normal people. And it very much is sort of like, some people call it schlock a little bit, like schlocky romance stuff. And they just don't, they don't get it. And that's fine. You know, they can throw their, their jabs, their barbs and their whatnot. But I really, yeah, like Sally Rooney is kind of like carving out this sort of like, not even a niche, but sort of like a subgenre of romance that's like this highly humanistic and highly very, empathetic yeah, adult very, romance scene. Well, not only that, but also very millennial, like having this, yes. uh, I mean, like I said, I'm by no means an expert on this author, so I don't want to speak out of turn. But from what I can tell, it she does a very like, uh, there is something very universal about our stories, but there is also a very clear sense of place and time. And that's something about this movie that I find really interesting is that it has like a lot of these like qualities where like she writes a, a not bad that's related to the Me Too era. And she, yeah. you know, has like this like very in tune connection to, you know, social media and a lot of things that dictate her life today. Like even towards the end, there's even some connections to COVID uh, in ways I won't give away, but like it, it feels very at peace with this time, but I don't feel like it's going to date the movie in any particular respect because I think the character herself, herself, what she's going through, what she's feeling and how it's seen and portrayed feels very universal and feels very relatable. And that balance, like I said, of feeling very at peace with the time right now, but also having that like ups and downs that feels very relatable to that, you know, kind of uh, being 20, turning 30 uh, um, point in your life is just, yeah, it's a very, it's a very humanistic look at that time, but it's also done with great humor and great heart. And it's really impressive how it's pulled off. 
Yeah, like if I was if I was going to give this a, a name, like a, a name that I can refer reference myself, because uh, these films, which are mainly coming out of Europe, uh, I think that they're films that are very indicative and representative of what the millennial life is like in Europe, which of course we can compare and contrast, mostly compare with American life. But I do think European artists and creatives are the ones who are, I think, like at the top of their game in this respect, um, just to reference again, Sally Rooney, Ireland, and and here with Norway. It's like a, I would call it something along the lines of like first person millennial dramas. And when I say first person, I'm not being that literal in the sense where the, it's first person, like we're constantly hearing their thoughts. It's actually third person, really. But it's first person in the emotion right. and the sentiment and it's like, it's clearly about this person. It's not an ensemble in mm-hmm. a strict sense. Everybody is like sort of a supporting character, but these things are so tricky in the way that they're doing that without taking away from the supporting cast, if yeah. that makes sense. No, I agree. Cause it's funny that we have, we're having this conversation right after we did the tender bar last week, which we, we had that conversation about like adapting memoirs or first person stories. And then that case, it felt like they stripped a lot of that away. So it felt like the story had this uh, third person quality that, that didn't feel very relatable, didn't feel very uh, idiosyncratic to the author or that story. But in this case, like you said, it's not based on any one particular person, uh, so far as I can tell, or it's like based on a particular uh, story or any particular like source material. But it does have that quality of feeling like you're seeing someone's experiences, having a lot of that intuitive uh, thoughts and feelings that that person's feeling with. But like you said, in a way, that is their person like you're not in her shoes directly but you can understand a lot of her feelings even when she kind of wavers and what exactly she wants or where she wants to be in life and yeah it's 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 very relatable but it's also uh very entertaining and very exciting to watch yeah like i think this is definitely one of those movies that has like that broad appeal even though it's so deep and so you know there's a lot of joy in this movie but obviously there's a lot of like trickier more complex emotion underneath everything that's happening i mean julie goes through some really horrible things but it's the same movie where we have these beautiful sequences like Mm -hmm. running in in slow motion and an entire night of two people sort of flirting and say again well i mean it's not slow motion right it's like time stops in that sequence well yeah Yeah. time stopping is like the slowest of all motions sure (laughs) no motion at all uh yeah (laughs) yeah it's like it's stuff like that in a film that is this human and grounded and realistic i think that is to me what just pushes it i think to the next level of like what i look for in a film and you can tell like i'm curious what do you think this has already come out in france and norway and a few other international places a premiered at Cannes film festival how much do you think it's made box office wise um I don't know. Actually, I haven't really kept up with the box office. I I assume most things like this aren't doing super well, but I don't want to assume. So I don't know. Well, here Here's the thing about that, right? I, I don't know the budget for this film, but I would guess it's like a million or lower uh, because um, it is a... Hmm, I'd, my guess would be probably about the equivalent of like 10 million. For 10 the million? You really think so? Probably. I, I would not say 10 million. It's um, more than a million. I, would, I definitely think it's more than a million. I think it might be as much as like, I, I definitely think it's under 5 million for sure. Hmm. Um, there's no way because it, it's just, it, it does ha- it doesn't have any big name actors. And I, I think it's like very minimalistic filmmaking, well, but it, I think Anders, uh, what's his, I, I don't know his, how to pronounce his name fully, but he, 
he is a bigger star over there than he is here, but he's not like a George Clooney or something like that. He's yeah, not, we ha- I have seen him in other things. Huh? Well, he's in uh, Bergman Island this year, which I was on that's my right. best yeah, of year list as well. That. Having a great year. Apparently, he's also a doctor yeah. now. So look at that. He, it, you can put check him up on, on me whenever he wants. Yeah, put him on Time Magazine's Person of the Year magazine. <laughs> there you go. Get Elon Musk out of there. Get, get that guy up there. But no, I mean, I bring that up just because like for a movie that it hasn't even opened in North America yet, it hasn't opened up in a lot of territories. It's already made $4.5 million. Like that's pretty impressive, I think, for a low budget art house award season film that's, I don't know, like we just don't, especially these days, we just don't see that much, you know, traction and buzz for such like small films like this. So I thought that was kind of enlightening. Yeah, it looks like we it, the budget somewhere in between what we thought. I guess it's about five million. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's it pretty still has clo- money to yeah. make. Yeah, because uh, it's but, gonna it's gonna get boosted quite a bit, right, from the Oscars. Uh, yeah, well, for sure, I hope so. Assuming, I mean, yeah, Neon is behind the release for this, and they're giving it the yes. same uh, kind of push that they gave uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is putting it out in February for I think a wide release or like a semi wide release. I'm not exactly sure. How many theaters it's, are playing? It's probably going to be fewer than a thousand, so it probably won't be wide, but it'll probably be more than like it's not going to. I don't think it's going to be going to be a coastal New York, LA only. Right. I have a feeling it'll be like an urban. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, limited, it, yeah. I think people who are listening to the show will actually have a better chance than they might expect to see this film in theaters. It sounds like. Agreed. I think that'll be the case. Yeah, I I don't have too much else to add. I mean, we we kind of touched on some of the supporting, you know performances I, I guess one last thing I'll, I'll mention too is just i also really like movies like this that where we're breaking away from creating this sense of like shame like built-in shame for like women who just like to have sex like as if it's like something to be ashamed of as if it's not like a normal human desire and i just appreciate movies like this in particular that continue to normalize and make that like such a basic like everybody wants like that human experience and this film doesn't like shame its main character for you know seeking that out and getting a lot of satisfaction and pleasure from that sort of lifestyle so that was another thing i wanted to add in there yeah and i mean it it bums me out that uh do you know know how to pronounce her name renate um i think it's renata reinsev but i I don't know for sure i think i mean the fact that she isn't reinsis uh the fact that she isn't in the conversation for best actress right now blows my mind it's nonsensical because her performance is incredible i think she i man i i think about like the other actresses that are up like nicole kidman and lady gaga and i'm just like no disrespect to them they're i think they're wonderful talented human beings i have Mm -hmm. no grudge or ill will toward them whatsoever but they were just not the best actresses in 2021 i did at least according to me well, I mean, it's also like the fact that the Academy seemingly is starting to progress a little bit more. Like now that we have like a movie like Parasite winning all of its yeah. Oscars, including Best Picture, you think hopefully that we're at a spot where like we're kind of progressing past like the quote unquote typical Oscar type movies. And when you see that, and, and I, I think I like Lady Gaga's performance maybe a little bit more than you did in House of Gucci. But even still, like the fact that her and uh nicole kimman being their cardos are like considered the front runners right now for best actress is just that's like 2005 type stuff yeah. like that's like we i feel like we've progressed past that point yeah it's right. like are we still doing the popularity contest thing but you know that's that's the oscars we don't have to put as much stock sure. into that we can of yeah. course look at okay here 
the actual performances we think, Mm -hmm. you know, not just for female actors, but all actors. I think that, yeah, this, this actress is just absolutely like at the tip top of the list. And I think one of the reasons probably, I mean, we've touched on this, but I, I think it does make sense that you and I in particular would connect with this film as much as we are because we are also two people kind of navigating and figuring out our twenties and thirties right now. Like you're in your late twenties. I'm in my early thirties. We're just kind of like, I don't know, like films like this certainly give me a sense of peace where I'm just, I really think that there are other people out there feeling the same feelings that I'm feeling, Mm -hmm. even if it's a different gender, a different country and all of that, there's so much to relate to. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, the feelings that some people got from Tick, Tick, Boom in a way that I, I don't want to take that away from anybody because I think that movie's fine. But like I, I I I see a movie like this and when I watch or when I think about Tick, Tick, Boom, I don't I feel like it feels inferior, even though it's talking about a lot of similar feelings and a lot of similar emotions, like the way that this movie is able to be not only so lived in and personal, but feel kind of grandiose and select moments and have like that scene you're talking about where time stands still. And it, it feels like a like musical moment, even though I don't, I don't think it's like they're actually singing or dance or like they are dancing, but they're not singing. And it just, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like something out of a like old fashioned Hollywood musical. And it has like all these different stylistic choices and all these different things, but it doesn't feel like the movie's uneven or if it, it takes away from like what, the movie's doing in a way it feels disjointed or indelicate. I, I think that's something that I really commend the filmmakers here for pulling off and something that I think really adds a lot of uh, wealth of uh, emotions to the movie. And, and, and you know, it just I, I don't want to like oversell it because I think some people are going to see a movie like this and kind of be like, oh, it's like, you know, it doesn't do anything like too shocking outside of a few moments. But I think right. I think it's just the fact that it's able to kind of pull off this very lived in quality, like I said, in a way that feels very relatable and very earnest, but still very entertaining and very engaging is just a, a very worthwhile experience. And and also pull off a balance, I think, is really tricky. We don't get it in a lot of films. I think that's a, a big reason why it's so special to me, because, you know, it's not just this sort of like drama, not just this sort of like melodramatic emotional kind of thing it's also very funny it's got a lot of charm to it and it's got a lot of sweeping romance and it just goes from all those different tones and emotions and and feels and styles without for me ever feeling like a different movie is all of a sudden happening right so it's like yeah it's like you definitely don't go into it expecting you know certainly like one of the definitive films of all time but yeah it's a I think this is a gem status film. It's just one of those gem movies that I hope takes off because it really delivers, I think, on a lot of things that yeah. people at least should be wanting to get from their films, I think. Yeah, and I mean, it's the type of film that, like, I I hope it's the type of film that, like, when people have a perception of, like, when art house film is, they can see something like this, like you said, it feels more accessible, feels more relatable than they might anticipate, and that might allow them to feel more comfortable seeing more films like this, whether it's foreign language films or, you know, more indie movies, character based films like this that feel a little bit more personal, a little bit more intuitive, like we said. And yeah, I hope it's a good avenue in that respect as well. But above all else, I just think it's a really well done, very commendable movie with a great lead performance and a great supporting performance from um, however you pronounce his name, Anders uh, so and so. I feel Anders so and so. I apologize uh, a million times. I, I think yeah. it's an Anders Danielson Lee, but yeah, I he's guessing, great, guessing. and he's also really really good in um, Reprise and Oslo August thirty first. He's the lead in Oslo and the co lead in Reprise, and um, 
yeah, I, I, both those movies are well worth watching as well. I think this my, one's probably the best of the three, but yeah. Okay, well, my, my last question for you, Will, is yeah. when Lin-Manuel Miranda does the American remake of this film starring the Dakota Johnson. Adaptation. Yeah, sure. <laughs> are you going to are you going to watch that? Probably. I mean, do you think that'll happen? Do you think there'll be an American remake of this film? Yeah, I think at some it depends. Point? If it wins Best International Feature, possibly. It's possible. I, I mean, it's possible no matter what. But yeah, that thought didn't really cross my mind when I was watching it. But I can definitely see some producer because aren't they trying to do Parasite as a show now on HBO? Yeah. Um, I know that at one point they're going to do. I mean, Tony... Snowpiercer was has been pretty successful. Oh yeah, Snowpiercer as, as well. Um, do you think this would be a show or a film? Like I don't a, know. I don't know. I could see it as either. But like an HBO miniseries or a limited yeah, series with yeah. Dakota Johnson or whatever. The next um, Station Eleven, if you will. Maybe. Um, and weren't they going to do like Tony Erdman with Jack Nicholson and like uh, I didn't hear Kristen about them like doing something point. like that. But. I think Lena Dunham was going to write it or something like that. I, I think that fell through. I could be wrong. Wait, a but, Lena Dunham project fell through? Tell me more. Oh, man. We'll probably talk more about Lena Dunham next week because she has yeah, a new yeah. movie at Sundance. We're watching her, yeah, her like first project in quite a while. Your That's first film like since book, Tiny Feature or Tiny Furniture. Yeah, and I don't think she's uh, written a book in a long time either. Not that we've talked about books from her, sure. really anybody in general, but yeah, anyway. Well, we talked We're, about Sally Rooney a good bit here, but sure. <laughs> Well, that's that's my fault um, <laughs> or my 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 win, really. Um, OK, so the worst person in the world Let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game. Will Ashton, 74 critics have put down their critical score. What do you think the, the RT score is out of those 74 critics? 92 percent. 99 percent. Wow. Highest rated films of the year. Yeah. One of the very few, I think, to, to hit that threshold with that many critics logged. Now, we don't have an audience score. A big old flat because they still need to process the film they're all collectively right. just like everybody's in vegas when it right. comes to this movie yeah <laughs> but we of course can do a letterbox rating what do you think that is um 4.2 average rating on letterbox so close 4.1 mm. so close but not quite there well done anyway that's the worst person in the world. It's going to be hitting limited release, like we mentioned, next month. And yeah, once it hits your area, definitely check it out. 